Welcome to the Faithful 31 Moms podcast. I'm your host, Mallory Allen. Whether you find yourself in the joys or the messes of mom life, we want to encourage you to remain faithful as you join us every Wednesday in creating a community of real moms, real stories, and real truth based on the Word of God. Welcome to the Faithful 31 Moms podcast. I'm your host, Mallory Allen, and today I am joined by a special guest, Margie Sims. Welcome, Margie. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you today. We are going to learn a little bit more about Margie and her life. Uh, She has a big family to share about and an exciting new book, so I'm excited to get into that. But first, I would like, Margie, for you to tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Well, I grew up in Memphis, and I grew up in a big family, the youngest of eight children, and um But my family was, um, there was a lot of conflict in my family, a lot of challenges in my family. It wasn't uh, a Christian family. You know, my parents certainly did the best they could. They they just did not know the Lord. And, um, but as the youngest of eight, I was stealing candy from the store by the time I was in third grade, which my mother would have walloped me for if I'd ever told her. I'd never told her the day she died. (laughs) But, you know, I, it was just a typical um, family uh, without Christ. So but so I was in third grade stealing candy with my friend. Well, when I was in fourth grade, um, I got a new best friend, and her, her daddy was a preacher, and she invited me to church. And I got saved the very first time, as far as I can remember, that I ever went to church. And the very first time I heard the gospel, wow. I think he must have been preaching about forgiveness because I, I knew I had been stealing that candy. You know, I knew it was wrong. <laughs> so after I became a Christian at nine years old, every time there was conflict in my family, which was pretty regularly, I remember thinking when I grow up, I'm going to have a bunch of kids and we're going to have a Christian family. So people ask me why I have 10 kids. And that is something that has been in my heart since I was just a little girl. Wow, 10 kids. That is definitely a calling, isn't it? It's a calling. I didn't think I, I didn't think I'd have 10. I think I, I thought I'd have eight because my mother had eight. But then those two babies in my 40s came along and, <laughs> and that made it 10. <laughs> wow. Well, I think that we probably can all agree, listening and myself, that we can learn a lot from you today. So I'm excited Aww. to get to know you better. Um, I wanted you. to ask you a couple of just fun questions for our listeners to just learn more about you. And so I'm going to have about five or six that I'm going to ask you. Is that okay? Oh, sure. All right. So let's see here. So knowing that you had 10 kids, this could be a funny one. And I'm going to go ahead and ask it. I will really commend you if if you use the cloth diapers. But did you use with your 10 kids (laughs) disposable or cloth diapers? Well, I used cloth with the first one, and I tried to continue using cloth with the second one, but I gave up because the laundry triples with every baby, and I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. We had no dryer either, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't last that uh, very long with that. Well, I only have two, and I didn't ever even try the the cloth, (laughs) so I commend the first try. All right, so what about, are you a chocolate or a vanilla person, if you had to choose a flavor? Oh, definitely chocolate. I, I don't understand white chocolate even. I'm definitely chocolate. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. A favorite book that you've read lately? That would be the one I'm reading now. It's called River of Doubt, and it is about um, Theodore Roosevelt's trip down the Amazon. 
Oh, wow. That sounds really interesting. I love historical books. Yes, it's very well written, too. It's it's really, really nice writing. All right. Are you, with, with a family of 12, including yourself, are you an ironing person or a wrinkle release spray, just kind of go with it person? I'll try the wrinkle release, but I don't. That's one of my little, I don't have very many, but one of my little um, pet peeves is I don't like to walk around wearing wrinkled clothes, so I will iron if necessary. My husband works for a bank, so he's got to, well, before COVID anyway, he had to, to dress up for work. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's changed um, for everybody. I, I know. Um, well, if you could give up one chore, you obviously will do the ironing. What would it be in your household? Um, I think it would be cooking. All right. Well, you do have a lot to cook for, so that makes sense. What I about? Do, and I would rather do the dishes. What about your favorite meal when you do have to cook to make for your family? What do you? What's your go-to like easy meal for that many people? You know, I'm a big Pioneer Woman fan, and she has a recipe called sour cream noodle bake, and I really like that recipe. It's very easy and it's delicious, and that is the one that I, I go to it so often. In fact, sometimes I make it too much, and everybody gets tired of it, and then I have to take a break from it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Pioneer Woman too. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. So that's just a little bit more about Margie. Just some fun things to learn about her, and I mentioned earlier that she had an exciting book. Um, to share with us that she has written, and that book is called Launch, Preparing Your Kids for Takeoff by Margie Sims. And I have read through this book personally, and I was telling her one thing that I just really loved about it was that each little chapter or devotional, if you call it, it is just about two to three pages, and it's just a really quick, easy read that any mom could could make the time for. I could see a mom doing this at night before she goes to bed just to kind of end her day well or kind of challenge herself for the next day coming. I could see her piggybacking this on um, her Bible study. Margie's really clear in here to say this is not meant to be your your sole Bible study alone. She wants you to make sure that you're in the Word, right Margie? Oh, yes, absolutely. But it really is. It's got a lot of wisdom, some fun stories. She even divides it into five sections, which I appreciate. So I kind of know what what you're getting into. There's fundamentals, faith, family, friends, and fun. So it's really easy to navigate. And there's lots of really good stuff in here. So we are going to talk about just very briefly one or two of those. And so if you want to get a copy, where can they find this book, Margie? You can find it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. Amazon or Barnes and Noble, and it's called mm-hmm. Launch, Preparing Your Kids for Takeoff. So I want you to share with them because I think it's so just really, really neat to see how your husband has supported you through this. I've heard one other interview with Margie, and she talks about how her husband was a big encourager of her writing and this book happening. Will you tell them a little bit about that? I will. Well, I sold my first magazine article when my daughter, my oldest daughter, who was my second child, was just crawling around my feet. And I sold it to Group, and they're a curriculum um, company. And then they bought the second thing I ever wrote, too. And so I was just hooked on writing. I'd always enjoyed writing. I just wasn't quite sure what you could do with it. But selling those two magazine articles, probably 30 years ago, is what really hooked me. Well, that got me started on magazine writing. I wrote for Focus on the Family, 
I wrote for Lifeway. Um, but all those years, I had always wanted to write a book. But I always say, every time I got any kind of momentum um, on the book, I would have another baby. <laughs> and so I always felt like I would climb to the top of the mountain, I would swing my leg over, and then I would fall right back down to the bottom. <laughs> so 30 years later, um, I did start a blog about mm, probably 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I started a blog um, at my husband's encouragement. Mm -hmm. And so and I blogged for years, I blogged. So then when I finally got my last one in school, though I was caring for my mother in law, um, well, she lived with us for 11 years, she just passed away in February, and I loved her and had a wonderful relationship with her. But when I finally got that last one in school, I was able to really focus on the book. So I started trying to figure out how to write this book. And my husband said, honey, your book is already written. It's your blog. Yeah. And so I took all the blog posts from all those years. That's, that's mostly probably 90% of the book um, comes from my blogs from, from a certain number of years, you know, from the last decade, I guess. Yeah. And I organized them into those five sections and I put a scripture with each one. And, and it was hard to find a publisher. I, at first I, um, and well, it, I tried to find a publisher. I tried and tried and tried. And then finally, last year, I went to a writer's conference real close to where we live. And I did get a small publisher interested, and she made me an offer. And I've been very happy with that publisher. I, was, I love the way the book looks and um, the way they have handled everything. I've, I've just been really happy with that very small publisher. I think that's so great because with your content being your blog over 10 years span of time, there's a lot of wisdom there's a lot of up and downs there's a lot of good days and bad days in mothering I'm sure um just yes. a lot of different things that you can offer moms and a lot of different you know feelings that you went through mountaintop experiences valleys and so I just really think that that is just such an honest way to share with moms and so I think that's great y'all should check this book out it's launch preparing your kids for takeoff so you said to me um, and also I read it somewhere in the beginning of your book that as a mom of 10, whether your head was in the clouds or in the sand, that you made your best attempt to be vulnerable with other moms and to make sure that they knew that this book couldn't replace their Bible, like we said earlier, but that you just wanted it to be a helpful resource. You told me that you work with mentoring moms and mops within your church. Yes. I'm sure that looks a little different right now with a pandemic, but that that yes. is just a calling because you were invested into, is that correct? By a mentor? Uh, oh, absolutely. Um, when we lived in Memphis, we went to Bellevue for nine years. We lived right down the street from Bellevue. And I didn't know anything, even though I'd grown up in Memphis, I didn't know anything about Bellevue. But there was a lady there named Jean Stockdale, who every Thursday morning, she had a Bible study called Moms. And I showed up at that Bible study and I sat under her, I think for eight years before we moved away from Memphis. And she taught me things I did not even know that I needed. So much so when, the, when I first started there, my oldest son was in fourth grade. When I left there, it was the summer before his senior year. That's a lot of changes. Wow. And by is. the time I left, yeah, by the time I left, I thought to myself, I want to do for other moms what Jean Stockdale has done for me. And that's biblical. The older women are supposed to teach the younger women. And right. I will tell you, too, it takes the sting out of getting older to be able to take what you have and give it to other women. So I am very involved in the MOPS ministry here 
where I live. Um, I'm the mentoring mom, the resident mentoring mom. <laughs> and what does MOP and I, stand for? Joy. For those mothers of, of mothers of preschoolers, MOPS. And if you have preschoolers and you're not in MOPS, yeah, you know, at least some of the MOPS groups are meeting. Our group is meeting. We're socially distanced. We have masks, but we are meeting. And look up MOPS.org because it is a lifesaver. And really, that's what I had. Um, sitting under Jean Stockdale. It wasn't MOPS because Bellevue was so big. They had their own ministry. You know, they had their own mom's ministry, but it was a small group time and then a time to hear Jean. And, um, and like I said, she really taught me things I did not even know I needed. That's so great. It's really important, even if it's not like an organized group, like a MOPS, but just getting poured into by someone that's ahead of you in life, another woman that's already been there, a mother that's still growing in her faith, but has already lived a lot of life. And I think that's so important. I'm so thankful that that is something that you're doing, Margie. Um, yes. One th- Let me tell you this too, oh, Mallory. Okay. Uh, people ask me, what's, what's your secret? How have you done this all these years? How have you raised all these children? Um, because my oldest is 33 and my youngest is eight. And so I was home with babies for 30 years. And one of the, and I think one of the reasons that I have been able to raise these kids um, and stay on course is because no matter what season I have been in, and sometimes I've been in all of them, mm-hmm. I, I go find a group of women who are in the season that I'm in or the season that I need to learn more about. And I meet with them every week, whether it's through moms or mops or just having coffee with some girlfriends. So I would also encourage the women out there, you go find your people. And you be relentless about it. Don't do it alone. You cannot do it. That's such good advice. I'm convicted by that advice as well. Um, <laughs> I want to tell um, everyone a little bit more about some of the content that's in your book. Just give them a little sneak peek, if you will, because there's so mm-hmm. much wisdom and so much stuff to unpack in there. And so I personally went through some of it myself. And one thing that really stuck out to me is your wisdom on being present with your kids. And Mm -hmm. I thought that that was just really convicting, really encouraging, and just a a lot of wisdom there in multiple different devotionals or stories that you shared. But you shared that you found a lot of yourself in your passion for writing, like you shared about earlier. Like you love to write. You found that you could make a career out of that somewhere along the way with the magazine writing and everything. And then you started Mm -hmm. blogging. And that was something that you were passionate about. That's something that took up a lot of your time. And as moms, it's great to have an outlet, something else that you enjoy personally. But one thing that you said that you were convicted about in one of your devotionals in your book was that you, it was, it was beginning to take up so much of your thoughts and so much of your time that you were convicted to write during nap time because you wanted to make sure that you were present for your kids when they were up and when they were awake. Can you tell us more about your wisdom on this? Because I know that personally, like whether it's been a job or a hobby or just all kinds of different things. If you're, if you like to cook, that can take up a lot of your time and planning. If you have a yes, a guilty, you know, TV show or or love for reading <laughs> or whatever it is, those things take up time. And so, or a job, of course, does and is necessary sometimes. But a lot of times, those things can take up so much of our time, even if they're good things that we're not present for our kids. So could you share with us a little bit more about your wisdom through the years, learning about that? Yes. You know, one thing comes to mind. It's when um, 
I, I always said, I want a lot of kids. I want a lot of kids. Well, about five kids in, I thought, Ooh, I have a lot of kids. And <laughs> I, and, and, you know, like I said, I had sold that first magazine article when my second child was just crawling around my feet. And I really got hooked. Like I said, I immersed myself in writing and kind of dabbled in parenting <laughs> for a while there <laughs> and marriage too, really, if I can be honest. But one day I took my son to football practice there in Memphis and, um, I don't know, maybe he was in about the fourth or fifth grade and I, there was a mom standing beside me. I don't remember her name, what she looked like, or even her voice. But I said to her, boy, this football practice sure takes up a lot of time. And she said, yeah, you know, it does. But you know what? The real challenge is, is getting them home, getting them cleaned up in the shower, getting their homework done and feeding them. Because you know what? If we were home, we'd just be watching TV anyway. We might as well be at football practice being productive. But you know, the real problem, she said, the real challenge is um, healthy dinner. Because you know what? I am not going to feed my kids nuggets and, and uh, french fries every night. I've got chicken and green beans in the crock pot. I just thought this woman really embraces her role, but she wasn't done. And then she said, you know what? You can crack an egg it's just as quick as you can pour a bowl of cereal. And I thought to myself, walking away from that conversation, that lady embraces her role she's in my book I call her the football field lady because she has impacted she impacted me she has she still impacts me she taught me how to embrace my role I, I knew that I was just dabbling in parenting and I was spending too much time writing because you know you got to be by yourself to write you got to think you got to have quiet right and um but after I talked to her that night I just thought okay I really need to make some changes here so I started writing only at nap time and I started trying a little harder in the kitchen my son was playing football. He got up early, six o'clock in the morning. He left for school at seven. He did not come home till six in the, in, in the evening because of football practice. I thought I got to feed that boy better. I got to get him a better breakfast. I got to pack him a better lunch. I really leaned into my role. And you know what? It was very freeing. I tell moms all the time, you're it. There is nothing you can do about it. You're it. You lean into it. And there's a lot of freedom in that. Wow. That is that is such a great story. I, I bet that woman has no idea how she impacted you. I wish I could find her. I don't, like I said, I don't remember what she looked like or anything, but um, you remember I'm, I'm what she, you remember what she told you though. That's on page, that's on page I, 18. I love that story too, because <laughs> my dad's, I told you this, but my dad's a football coach. And so yes. I just already like anything around like sports stories and parenting and things, but that is such an impactful story. And and it has already impacted me as well, just like you sharing that and how I've kind of thought about things with my kids and things in the last week, if I'm being honest. And so I really appreciate you being willing to be vulnerable and share that you weren't doing the best job and right. you were, you know, impacted by this, convicted by this, and you really stepped up. What You also told me another illustration, but I cannot do it justice. I don't remember how to share it about... It was it's something to do with drums and moms. And like, I, I don't I know people are like thinking, what are you talking about, Mallory? But I cannot do it justice, Margie. So you're going to have to share it. It was a really good illustration for teaching parents, moms about the importance of like presence. I remember it because yes. you shared it with me. Well, it was in, um, in, in our mops group. We talk about a lot about self-care in mops because, you know, mothers of preschoolers, that's the nature of the, of the group. And preschool years are so busy. You're up all day. You're up all night. Mm -hmm. And so one of the moms said that she would like to learn to play the drums. And um, I think that's wonderful. It's just like me with my writing. You know, I think as moms, we need something. 
that yeah. is an outlet for us apart from the children. I, I'm a really big believer in that. But we have to remember that we are giving our children memories as they grow up. And, and believe me, they're seven out of the house now. And they do have memories and they share those memories with you, good <laughs> and bad, things you did right and things you didn't do so right. But I'll, I'll use the example of, of my book first is that when I, because of the conversation I had with the football field lady, because I got my priorities straight with my writing, when this book came out last year, my children, about half of them got to be at my book signing here in the town where we live. And they rejoiced with me. There was no bitter taste in their mouth because I locked myself in my room writing right. all the time. Uh -huh. Just like this, this, my friend who said that she wants to play the drums. Well, my daughter put it best. My 16 year old daughter said, you have to determine the difference between self-care and self-indulgence. Self-care is a good model. It's a healthy model for our children. Self-indulgence leaves a bad taste and a bad memory. Um, let's take the drums, for example. Self-care would be when they grow up and say, boy, my mom, she said she was going to learn how to play the drums. And she did. Usually she drums on Sunday morning at church or she's in this band on the weekend or, you know, very happy. It's a good memory and it's a good model for self-care. Right. Self-indulgence is, oh man, my mom, man, she never would cook dinner. I never had clean clothes. She was always in the garage practicing her drums. You see the difference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know what? The smallest changes make such a difference in mothering. I have two daughters that are at the Coast Guard Academy. Well, one's graduated and one is still there, but they have to take a navigation course um, for the, at the Coast Guard Academy because they have to learn to navigate the ship. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I asked them one day, I said, if you change your course by just one, one or two degrees, would it make a big difference? And uh, they said, oh, yeah, you'd, you would end up in a totally different place. And that's how mothering is. You just make the smallest changes. I mean, that day with the football field lady, the two changes I made, I started writing at nap time and I started trying harder in the kitchen. That's the two things I, I really remember of how I needed to embrace my role. Yeah. Those were very small changes, but they made a very big impact. Absolutely. That is, that's a super good word. That's a lot of wisdom packed in right there. I'm, I'm leaning hard into that. And I hope that all of you moms <laughs> are as well out there. And another good thing that I read, there's so much stuff in here that we can't get to all of it, but you said perfection, a clean house, et cetera. There's always going to be more laundry to fold, messes to clean, but what are your priorities? Being present and being on time are more important sometimes than, you know, having everything straightened up and tidy in the house. You even have a, a little funny named, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but organized smorganized is that how you say yes. it uh, <laughs> that's one of my chapters <laughs> yes it's on like page 22 23 and it is quite funny I love the title but you you said that you said things about how you know things could be chaos your library books could be lost and all those things your socks are unmatched and but your kids ultimately knew that you know they were loved and they were disciplined and you were on time as best you could be you know sometimes things are going to fall through the cracks right i mean oh yeah absolutely you know it's funny because my daughter the one that's she's a senior at the coast guard academy and she said to me, you know, at first, every woman that I meet practically says, oh, you must be so organized with 10 kids. <laughs> and, you know, I wish I was, but I'm not. I'm really not. I was the baby of eight. What do I know about having 10 kids? You know, and I'm, it's just not natural. Naturally, I'm not naturally inclined to be real organized. Um, and so I've kept clothes clean and I've kept the 
maybe I, you know, I, I run the dishwasher every night and dinner's usually on time. It's just a handful of things that I can manage, but closets and drawers, um, you know, there's, there's some things that I just, you can't find a pair of matching socks around here, you know, <laughs> things like that. I just have not managed, but my daughter just said to me the other day, you know, I, I am, I, I'm convinced she's 21 that, that it doesn't matter as much as we think. And, you know, I'm living proof of that because I have launched seven children and it really doesn't. Um, my organized, smorganized is when my husband and I went to see um, his aunt out in California uh, years ago. And th that's back when I had eight kids at home and I was drowning, you know, because my kids, <laughs> right. my middle four are very close together. And by the time I got my breath, I'd have another baby. I had older kids. I had younger kids. I was homeschooling for a time. It was really impossible. And so my, and my husband's aunt invited us all to come and, and see her out in California. So we went out to California and um, it was such a wonderful trip. She was, she was uh, uh, so gracious to have us, but she had someone there that helped her, um, a couple that helped her. Um, and one day, I went in to talk to the lady that helped her while she made lunch and she, she was cutting up um, some onions or something. And she said, you have such well-mannered children. She said that to me. She said, they, they take their plates, you know, when they're done and they say, please. And they say, thank you. And, you know, she didn't know we'd been practicing before we, we <laughs> right. ever got out there. <laughs> but I said, oh, thank you so much. I said, that really uh, means a lot to me because my, my house is such a wreck. Every closet and every drawer, I just cannot keep um, a handle on that house. And she stopped what she was doing and she turned around and she said, I have worked in many clean houses where the kids are killing themselves. Don't you worry about that house. And that was so freeing. I will never forget what she told me. It really set me free. And, you know, back then I hadn't launched any kids. Well, now seven are out of the house. And you know what they do? They come home at Christmas. I got all 10 coming home for Christmas. And they say, we don't remember the mess, mom. We just remember the memories. And that that's really true. Wow. That is, that is super impactful. I know that we can all get caught up in, you know, the, the laundry and the chores and the, all the things. And sometimes I guess, yeah, it really just doesn't matter. The kids just want you to be present. And that's, that's yes. a great reminder. Yes. And this, the kids need to be helping us grow up. I tell you, I have to tell you this one story. I interviewed Kay Wyma once. Um, she had written a book called Cleaning House. And she, uh, she said that she figured out that she was raising her kids with an entitlement mentality. And she came up with this one year long um, project on helping them with basic life skills. So they would not have that entitlement mentality. But anyway, she said to me, I interviewed her for a magazine story. And she said to me, you know, I grew up in a very privileged family. I sat by the pool in the summer. I played tennis. I got a brand new car when I was 16. She said, but my father taught me two things. He taught me the value of a dollar and he taught me how to fail and how to try and how to fail. And I think those two elements are often left out these days. We don't make our kids help. We don't teach them that, you know, time is money and hard work pays off. I, I encourage all the moms out there, even if it's just a couple of things, make your kids help you. Don't do everything because that will, that will give them the entitlement mentality. My kids have actually thanked me um, th and my husband. They thanked us for making them do chores. When my girls got to the Coast Guard Academy, when you're at the military academies, I got two boys at West Point. Or they both graduated, but I had two girls at the Coast Guard Academy. 
you have to work at those academies when you're a freshman. You have to do all that grunge work. And my daughter said, Mom, so many of my, my new friends have such a hard time with all those chores. We have to do the trash and the floor and the, on the ship. We have to, you know, do all these little menial tasks. But I knew how to work because you and Dad taught me. Dad made us rake the leaves. You made us do chores on Saturday morning. And, and when I say chores on Saturday morning, when, well, when you have 10 kids, you can put everybody in charge of a room or an area and say go, and then it, it happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? But I'll, I'll tell you now that I only have three kids at home and I don't have any more babies. Um, my youngest, who's eight, she still wipes the table after dinner and she folds the towels and she probably does a couple and cleans her room. And that's not very many things, but it's enough where she doesn't feel like she's the exception and she doesn't have to work. That's what you don't want. You don't want your children growing up thinking that they don't have to do anything. And if you don't make them help you, that's exactly what's going to happen. And in this culture today, it's almost impossible to undo. That is so true. We're really working on that right now with our four-year-old. My my seven-year-old has gotten that. You know, we give him jobs and things, and, and he's learned. But the four-year-old is, you know, he, he can get it all out, pull all the toys out. But then <laughs> the second that you're like, all right, if you get that out, you're going to pick it up. And at the time, it seems like a good idea until he's left to clean it up and he's breaking oh, down. Yeah. But, yeah, it's so important. You're so right. Uh, we are running out of time, but I want you to have a chance to leave us with, you've already shared so much good advice, but one more piece of good advice that you would leave with these moms that are listening out there today. What would that be? Well, I'll have to, to call it the three D's. Um, again, when I was at uh, Bellevue, sitting under Jean Stock nearly every Thursday morning, when I first tried to go, I was pregnant with my fourth and I thought, oh, in the fall, after this baby comes in July, I'm going to go to the mom's ministry at Bellevue because we, we had just moved right next to the church. And I thought, I'm going to go to that. I need that. Well, the reality of it was when I had the baby trying to get my older ones out the door to school and then the preschooler ready and the baby nursed into the church, I didn't make it. I did not make it that whole year. I thought, well, that, that's okay. I just, it's too hard. I'm not going to do it. Well, fast forward one year when the fifth one's on the way and the older, oldest one is approaching middle school. And I knew I was way in over my head. So I got there and because, you know, my kids' rooms were a mess. The library books were lost. Um, and I just thought to myself, I have got to go learn from somebody what really matters here. What do I really need to focus on? Because I had a feeling that I would have a lot of children. And even though I had five, that is a lot. But I just, I knew my calling and I knew I'd probably have more than I thought, or I hope to anyway. And I thought, um, you know, I got I to I got to get some counsel. I got to get some wisdom. So I remember one of the first meetings that I was at, um, Jean Stockdale said, there are three things that you must never tolerate from your children. Three things that you must always swiftly and consistently discipline. And they are deceit, defiance, and disrespect. She called them the three Ds, deceit, defiance, and disrespect. And I, I thought to myself, maybe I can hold on to three things. Now, I want you to think, when I heard that advice, my oldest was in the fourth grade and my fifth one uh, had just been born. And when I left, my oldest, you know, was about to be a senior in high school. But think about all those years ago. I, my oldest is now 33. And so I have launched seven kids on the, those three things. Deceit, which means when they lie to you, you got to punish that very quickly. Don't tolerate it. Defiance, which means when you tell them to do something and they say, oh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You don't put up with that. I'm not talking about when you tell them and they forget and then you forget because that's, that's how it happens a lot at my house. I'm talking about defiance. 
and then disrespect, which every mom knows what that is. Um, <laughs> right. So those are the three things I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to do that. And I have done that. I, I would love to write a book called 3D Discipline about these three things, because that's how important I feel like it is. Because you know what? When I look around in the culture today, we have let our kids dis- get away with disrespect. And, you know, my mother, she was not a believer until the very end of her life that you did not sass my mother. Um, <laughs> that was a model that she set for me. So it was easy for me to do that when I became a mom. I knew how to handle that because I, I had seen it. You know, the, the two times I did sass her, she dealt with it very quickly. And so I would say the best advice that I can give is the three D's. Do not tolerate deceit, defiance, and disrespecting your children. You know, there's so much you can take away these days. There's, you know, you take away phones, car keys, you take away privileges, you take away video games, you know, there it's, it's, it's very, very doable. And I would say to moms, if, if you're listening right now and you think, oh boy, I've put up with all three of those, you need to just have a little, sit down and have a little talk with your children and say, we're, you know, I've really all get away with too much. And from now on, these three things, and I, and I even tell my preschoolers sometimes, the three things that you will always get a swap for are deceit, defiance, and disrespect. And I have to explain that to them, but they know the three D's. You don't mess with the three D's. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really good advice. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Oh, I'm so glad to do it. Thank you so much, Margie, for joining us on Zoom today. She's in Alabama, so we are just so thankful for having her and her sharing all of her wisdom with us. And her book, if you didn't hear it before, was Launch, Preparing Your Kids for Takeoff. You can get that on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. So pick that up. Check that out. There's a lot more in there than the things that we covered today. There was no way that we had time to cover um, even 10% of what's in there. So pick that book up today. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Please go and follow our social media. We're Faithful31Moms everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Faithful31Moms.com. And check out our blogs, the things that we have to offer. I will have Margie's information on there and her book and the link to that. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope that you all have a wonderful day. Faithful 31 Moms is produced in association with Love Worth Finding Ministries, built on the profound biblical teaching of Pastor Adrian Rogers. Please visit our website, faithful31moms.com, for all interview show notes. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Faithful31Moms. That's faithful31moms.com.